the Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined again today by Matt Williamson. Matt, we've we've had the draft now a week in our rearview mirror. I know it was a blast for you, as it was for all of us uh, fantasy football players. Uh, are you are you recovered from all the draft festivities? Yeah, you know, and I, I I was down at the Steelers facility for three days broadcasting. That was pretty cool. You know, you were there when the picks happened and interviewed the assistant coaches and all those type of things. So that was a cool, a cool new experience. Usually, I'm at home. Um, yeah, and this this whole week, I'm I, I always like the week after the draft too because you can kind of go, go through every team, you know, figure out what they were thinking, and they tell you a lot about the the status of the team. And I will say, from a dynasty perspective, I can't say. And I've been sort of saying this all along that I can't say I'm super excited about this rookie class or do I regret, you know, trading a lot of these 2000, you know, 16 picks beforehand. That has been kind of a prevailing thought of yours. And uh, I think that has really overtaken a lot of the uh, dynasty players, at least the ones that I come into contact with, especially these picks in the later first round. We'll, we'll get into this uh, much more later on in the show, but, some of these late first, they might be players you like. They just don't feel like first round picks. You know, they're right. They feel, they feel more like second, mid second rounders, maybe. So it's it's just that value aspect is missing. Yeah, I think that's well said. You know, it's not like you know one ten to two oh two ish. Those guys seem like late seconds. You know, like okay, yeah, I'll add him, but boy, I bet he's not a foundation piece for my team. Well, before we uh, take a look at some of these specific players, we wanted to touch on a few rookie draft strategy uh, aspects. As as these rookie drafts have been starting over the past, I guess over the past week, over the past few days, I've gotten quite a few questions on Twitter and and in other ways. A lot of those questions seem to come down to you know this player versus this player at a certain pick. And one thing I hear a lot is I need a running back or uh, I need a quarterback. And m- my first thought is in a rookie draft, that shouldn't matter too much. In a rookie draft, first of all, I'm not necessarily expecting or assuming that player is going to help me immediately, uh, maybe even not at all that first season. So I'm not looking at my lineup or at my roster and, and thinking about positions of need. I'm just simply taking the best player available. Is is that true of you as well, Matt? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, maybe that's a very, very down-the-line tiebreaker. You know, if, boy, I'm really short running back and I like this player almost the same as I like a tight end or a receiver or whatever, maybe I would lean that way. But even if you're a super contender and you think, boy, I'm one position away, you know, finding it in your rookie draft is unlikely to be the, the case. I mean, Elliott obviously is a different situation. or I mean, some of these guys at the top. But, you know, you should, that shouldn't be a deciphering factor for elite prospects either. I, I don't understand that at all. And it goes back to being a very active owner with trades and seeing who's all around. And, and you know, those type of things allow you to, you know, there, there's a couple of leagues that I have like Russell. One league I'm looking at right now, I have Russell Wilson and RG3 as my quarterbacks. That, I mean, I need to add somebody between now and, and opening day, but I'm going to. There's a long way away. Yeah, and another comment I see is, you know, I'm loaded at wide receiver, so should I uh, avoid a wide receiver? No. Absolutely not. Just keep uh, keep adding that value, especially at that position, because that is, for a large percentage of the of dynasty players, that's the, the position that they covet. So if you have 
five of the top, uh, you know, 20 wide receivers in dynasty ranks and you can, you can add Treadwell or Coleman or some of these other guys we'll talk about, do it. Just keep adding to, you know, to that team and, and stacking that roster. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a currency, unlike running back. I mean, I'm sure we've talked about this and it's, it's late in the dynasty blueprint career, you know, lifespan to even bring this up. But for those that are new turning it, tuning in or just, you know, getting new into the dynasty and it's growing quickly, you know, wide receivers value maintains itself a lot more than running backs do. You know I mean? Those running backs can fade away quickly. You know, your, your wide receivers are going to hold their value. They're going to stay young. I mean, if you keep replenishing with youth, you're going to be loaded, and that's uh, that's great currency to go fill other needs if need be. I mean, th- there's always going to be a market for the young stud receiver. As rookie drafts approach, and and so many of them have already begun. I know I've I've had three or four already start just over the past few days. Uh, another question or, or topic that seems to come to the surface is uh, handcuffing players that are already on your rosters or possibly even the opposite direction, avoiding players that may have landed on the same team as players you have. So, for example, you might be an owner who has Justin Forsett and uh, Javoris Allen. So should you target Kenneth Dixon maybe higher than you, you typically would? Or you have A.J. Green. Does that mean you should avoid Tyler Boyd? So what are your thoughts on, on those topics, Matt? I don't feel very strongly either way about it, to be very honest. I mean, in one league I'm in, there's a guy that has eight running backs, and they're from they're two from four teams. You know, I mean, he has everyone's backup. He has Geo and Hill. He has uh, Duke and Crowell, you know, those type of deals. And obviously he believes in handcuffing. And uh, I, I do to some degree as well. I mean, I certainly think that if your lead dog goes down, it's nice to have the guy behind him. And in Dynasty, particularly if you happen to have an older back, for set, it would be really nice to have Dixon, you know, I mean, because you're not going to be able to trade for set for much. You know, maybe he holds on the fort for a little while and then just hands it over to Dixon. Uh, I think that's a nice situation. And maybe, and it's also down the list of tiebreakers, but maybe that would be, I lean him over a, a running back that I was considering in the same area. But all in all, uh, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, there's one, there's a very good owner in a league of mine that has Golden Tate, and Marvin Jones, and he didn't know Marvin Jones was going to land in Detroit, so he's shopping one of those two now, and I guess that makes some sense, you know, that they're both not going to be hits, but what's the difference? I mean, all that really matters in the end is how many points your guys score, you know, in week 10, if they're playing a a bad Bears defense or something, what's so terrible about starting them both? Yeah, I agree with that completely, and in fact, when I'm analyzing who to take at a certain pick, or who to target in a draft, whether it's rookie draft or a startup draft, I almost never consider the team, especially when it comes to uh, players that are already on my roster. So handcuffing is just not a priority for me. I know it. I know it used to be a, a trend that everyone did. You know, ten years ago, you you got your starting running back in the first, and a few rounds later, you made sure to lock up his backup. Uh, but that's that's kind of going away a little bit. So it. it like you, it's not it's not something that I avoid necessarily, but I definitely don't do it on purpose. I don't let it affect the picks I make. But the one thing that's good about it, though, and, and this is a little off topic, but along the lines is if you know the guys in your league, which is again is so key, and you know that there's two guys in your league that belong that believe in handcuffing, well, 
then you can shop them James Stark if so they have Eddie Lacy. You know what I mean? I mean, you can turn something that's at the bottom of your roster maybe into a pick that he's worth more than, or a pick that's worth more than him. Right. That's that's always a good strategy. And uh, and for those who do believe in, in handcuffing, and like you said, it's important to know the strategies and the, and the thoughts behind things like that of your league mates. Uh, yeah, you can take advantage of that sometimes. Uh, what about targeting specific positional players in, in areas of the draft? And here, here's what I mean by that. I've said many times, and, and you agree with this, I think, that we like to build our teams around wide receivers. That's true in the first few rounds of a startup draft. And for me, in most cases, it's true in the first round of a rookie draft. So in a rookie draft, a typical rookie draft, I would expect at least eight of the top 12 players to be wide receivers in a normal year. Uh, and, and I hope to get one of those wide receivers. But then in, in the second and third round, sometimes that changes. Is, is that something, uh, is that a strategy you employ also? Yeah, and... You know, you didn't really mention these two, but it takes a lot for me to use a rookie pick on a quarterback or a tight end. You know, I mean, tight ends rarely do anything their rookie year. You can get the the Walfords and people that you at least have seen a year of reasonably cheap still, you know, or you can just live with, you know, the, uh, something you've mentioned before is give me Gates and Witten until they die, you know, <laughs> and then pick up the next version of them for a third round pick down the line. And the same thing's true at quarterback. So to, to to sit with a rookie quarterback or tight end on my on my roster where I could have had or I could have taken a shot on a third round of a running back or a late second round because so many running backs end up playing last year was just such a perfect example of you know late round type you know not huge asset that we thought a year ago ended up on the field last year in, in at the running back position and there's just so many injuries there's so many specialized teams now they're going to passing backs and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it also would take a quite the player, obviously an Elliott, somebody like that's not hard to figure out, for me to use a first-round pick on a running back, too. But this year, I have some running backs ranked rather high, but that's more of an indictment on the class as a whole. So, like I said, I, I tried to focus on the wide receiver position in the first round. And in the second round, I, it seems like that's the perfect spot to grab some of these running backs, like you said, who they look like backups, but they can, you know, it doesn't take much for them to earn a starting position, that injury or, or even maybe just some poor play. And then in the third round, I know, I know you said you try to avoid quarterbacks. When I see quarterbacks, you know, that are first round NFL draft picks falling to the third round or sometimes even later, to me, that seems like great value. Because worst case, well, I shouldn't say worst case, but I think there, there's a very good chance you can trade those guys later for a second-round pick. So I just took Paxton Lynch, the, uh, you know, the Broncos' first-round draft pick, in, at the beginning of the fourth round of a recent rookie draft. Wow. To me, there, you know, there's very little risk in that move uh, as long as you have the roster space. So if you're using a third- or fourth-round pick on, on a quarterback, especially one that was a first- or, or second-round NFL draft pick, I think there's a good chance you can see some benefit in that pick. Yeah, I guess I have to kind of go back to what I said then. I mean, I think your points are really strong. You know, you can get a lot for Mariota, Bortles, Winston, you know, the guys that were drafted high in the NFL that made it, you know, that look good. 
and, and I'm looking at my top 20 list. I, I just did a top 20 list for the score. You can find it. I've been pumping it on Twitter. I, I don't know that we'll get all the way down to that number, but I have Wentz at number, at number 19, and Goff and Lynch wouldn't be that far off for me. Again, that's somewhat of an indictment of the lack of depth or you know home run talent in this class. But, I mean, Wentz would have to be pretty bad. I don't know if he's your favorite quarterback in this draft or not, dynasty-wise, but he would really have to do some poor things to not have a lot of to, – to lose value a year from now. Yeah, it's really funny. So I, I took him with that – I took Lynch with that 4.01. Obviously, every team in my league passed on him, uh, sometimes multiple times. But I feel like, and maybe this is, is misguided on, on my part, I feel like I could trade him for a future third right now. And if he, if he does anything, especially with the weapons in Denver, he could maybe bring a second-round pick in return. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, and even if he rides the pine for the first eight weeks or the entire season, I don't think his stock goes down one bit. You know, uh, if he doesn't play a snap in 2016 – and it's still Mark Sanchez, who's a middling player. I still think your pick holds just as much value as it did before. And right off the top of my head, I mean, I would give up a 17 third for, for Lynch right now. I mean, he's going to a good team. He's got wheels. Kubiak quarterbacks you know, produce. I, I think that's what he's worth. Well, one other topic, uh, you mentioned your, your rankings that you put up for the score. We're going to dig into those a little bit very soon. One other topic that I wanted to talk about before that though, is just the idea of the idea of us sharing our rankings. So you've got yours on the score. You know, you, you are very active on Twitter. I try to be active as well. And, and my rankings, rookie rankings, dynasty rankings, Devi rankings are all up on uh, DLF. And of course I, I write articles and, and do those things. And someone asked me the other day about the, you know, how hard that is and how you find that balance between giving advice or, or even just offering your opinions on, on some players uh, versus doing your own dynasty leagues and, and running your own dynasty teams. Is that a challenge for you? You know, you, you're in a handful of dynasty leagues. I'm in 15 dynasty leagues. I'm in, I'm in leagues with many people that are very active on Twitter and, you know, they, they know my thoughts on, on pretty much every player. So how do you approach that challenge? I, I assume you, I, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it's a, it, it's a disadvantage. I mean, I think it's very much a disadvantage. I mean, there's some leagues where I'm the only quote expert in and uh, the other dudes in the league, have a real job, you know, <laughs> and don't do football for a living. And they follow me on Twitter and I don't follow them on Twitter and they, you know, read everything I do. And, you know, I, I mean, I might as well just send my rankings to all the team, to everyone in the league anyways, because they have them. Um, you know, you and I are both high profile enough that it's not really, you know, going under the radar. Uh, and, you know, like Matt Waldman's in our league, and he writes a giant rookie scouting portfolio. I mean, we know exactly who he likes. You know, you know he's not going to um, differ from that very much at all. I mean, I might take my 18th guy before I take my 17th guy, but if I have 1-8, you know who I'm going to get. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's so that is a disadvantage. Not to mention, if I have 1-8 and somebody behind me has 1-9, 
they can move up to one seven real quick and steal my six rank guy is still on the board, or they know they don't have to move because they know who I'm going to take. Yeah, I guess. Um, and I don't know that I consider myself high profile at all, but I guess when I started writing for DLF, this was not even something I really considered. You know, I just put the information out. I shared my, my rankings and my opinions on players and, you know, over time I found people in my league saying, you know, I looked at your rankings, so I rejected that offer. Um, or I know you, I know you really like this guy, so I think you'll pay more things like that. And yeah, it and hurts. that's, that's just, you know, part of the gig, I guess. I've never found myself or I, I have never really even considered using that to my advantage. So and I mean, the, the rankings that I put out on the side are, are the ones that I stand behind. And and other than flip-flopping and changing my mind a million times, like like we always do, those are the rankings I would, I would draft by and build a team by. And sometimes that means I don't get my favorite player because someone else knows how I value those, those guys and they might, uh, you know, jump in front of me or they might, might take that player instead. But, you know, that's, that's just part of the fun, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, two things along those lines. I've been asked the question, do you keep some guys to yourself that you don't publish to everybody? No, I don't. You know, Or do you manipulate the rankings so that you can try to make a trade to get somebody? No. I mean, I take my job too seriously. Um, it feeds my family. It's my integrity. I would never put something out, you know, hand something into my editor that I didn't 100% believe in. So, no, I would never do that. Um, but the other thing is, Sometimes you know, I used to do a top 100 list for ESPN.com. I mean, everyone in the world read it that, that plays Dynasty. I mean, and not to brag or anything, obviously, but I mean, it was on a huge website that everyone could access. And once in a while, I'd make a trade offer for somebody that I probably liked more than the general public. And people would get mad at you, be like, you're trying to screw me over. I'm like, well, no. I mean, just like any trade, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get people I like. Doesn't mean you like them. I mean, you don't have to live off my rankings. Think for yourself. Yeah, it's funny. I was, um, and you know, just like just like other people do, I I read other writers' work and I check out their rankings, especially if I am trying to formulate a trade offer or if I'm in a draft with a, a another guy who happens to be a, a writer or has his his rankings published. I'm going to use that to my advantage as well. So you and I are in some leagues. I mean, we may have some differing opinions, and I'm going to offer you a guy if you like him more than I do. Exactly, you should. I, I do. I recall a time a couple of years ago where I was checking out some rankings and there was a player way down this list that um, the guy ended up choosing in the first round. I check out his, his rankings a couple of days later and that, that player's now a top 10 uh, <laughs> a ranked player for him. So, you know, it does happen that, you know, maybe some people do hide players or, or keep their thoughts on players quiet until they can acquire them. I've just, you know, it's just not worth it to me. It's it's more fun to talk about these guys that I do like and and hear opinions from other people. Um, again, I think that's that's part of the fun. That's part of the uh, appeal of dynasty leagues. Yeah, and lastly, and you and I have mentioned this before too, and it's going to happen to you more and more that when I make a trade, I put it out on Twitter, and usually the person I made a trade with follows me on Twitter, and they'll write me back like, "Hey, what did Twitter have to say about our deal? Who they think won?" You know, and the other thing that also happens too is 
you know, we, we have a lot of followers on Twitter and they follow you for a reason. They follow you because they like what you have to say. So you often get the benefit of the doubt too. I mean, if I make a deal with some Joe Schmo that nobody knows, a lot of my people will write me back saying, boy, good job, Matt, you know your stuff because I probably get more benefits of doubt than I deserve. Well, let's, let's dig into some of your rankings. You mentioned that you had released your top 20 ranks uh, over at the score. I've got those here in front of me and, we want to talk about some of those players today. So here's here's what we'll try to do. We're going to go down your list of dynasty rookie rankings, and I'd just like to hear your thoughts on that player, their fit with the new team, uh, kind of how you see that playing out, and, and I'm going to throw out some information and some opinions on their dynasty value. I've got some ADP numbers in front of me, and we'll talk about those things as well. Sounds good so, to me. I like it. So hopefully we differ on some things. There's, there's no surprise you've got Ezekiel Elliott as the 1.01 pick. He uh, landed in Dallas with the fourth overall pick. And, and we had talked about it leading up to the draft. I think he was pretty well locked in as the top choice in, uh, in Dynasty rookie drafts anyway. Landing in, in Dallas really made the conversation less about where do we take him in rookie drafts and more about how do we rank him uh, amongst other running backs, or where do we take him in startup drafts? It's been talked about a lot on on different shows and on Twitter and things. But really quick, just your thoughts on Elliott in Dallas? Yeah, and it's an easy one. I mean, clearly he's won one on every board, um, and you really have to be something like we got to before. You really have to be something to be a one-one rookie pick for me. You know, much like Gurley last year, Gurley was my one-one, and there isn't a. Amari Cooper in this class where you'd look at it and say, boy, maybe a, you know, that, that, that there's even a question. And, and Dallas obviously is a fantastic landing spot. I, I guess the real question is if you own 1-1, one, one, and I do in Hyperactive 4, you know, what is it worth? You know, or, or if you want to go acquire it, what can you give away? And you know, I was offered David Johnson, Eric Ebron, and Michael Crabtree, and I really didn't give it much thought, even though if I'm doing a, a, a running back dynasty ranking, David Johnson's not far from Elliott. But and I like Crabtree a lot, and I didn't give it much thought. You know, I'm like, no, I'll keep Elliot. Yeah, I, th- I think you keep Elliot there as well. And you know, if you have the 1.01 pick and you're willing to trade it, I think you can almost name your price. He's his current ADP in Dynasty is is 17 overall, so he's uh, in that mid second round range. But I, I think the the thing with Elliot, and this happens every year, and Elliot is just the player. That's on the, you know, the, the front of our minds this year, but just like a lot of people want to have the latest, whatever the latest style is, or they want to have the newest technology or the, the fanciest car. That's what Elliot is in dynasty. He's, yeah. he's the new toy and, and some people want to stake their reputation on uh, and, and do everything they can to get him. So yeah, if you have the one, one, I think you can name your price and, and I would definitely want more than than that. Yeah, but I, I certainly wouldn't regret trading it, though. I mean, I think I mean at this point, I'm going to shop that pick actively. No, I mean I've seen trades like uh, Brandon Cooks and a first rounder for for the one one Alshon Jeffrey plus for the one one. So yeah, those are those if are definitely Cooks in a seventeen one. I would move them. Right, those are definitely deals I would consider, especially getting that wide receiver that, that we like to build around. I was asked on Twitter just an hour ago, would you trade Elliott's trade up for Watkins? And I said, oh, yeah. Yes, yes. 
let's move on. Your second ranked player is Laquan Treadwell. Uh, he's actually the fourth wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. He lands in Minnesota, presumably to be Teddy Bridgewater's top uh, wide receiver. We know Bridgewater likes to spread the ball around, so there's some, you know, s- uh, some differing opinions on how that will go for Treadwell. His uh, current dynasty ADP is 32. He's the second rookie off the board in our dynasty ADP, but looking only at our rookie ADP, he's actually the fourth rookie off the board. So the guys in that two, three, and four range, there's very little difference between those three uh, when it comes to their value. We'll talk about the next two wide receivers soon. But Matt, talk about Laquan Treadwell in Minnesota. Yeah, I differ with you a little bit in that I would much rather have him than Coleman or Doxon. I I really am that high on him as a player. I think he's going to be a big-time touchdown producer. I I like his landing spot where the first-round receivers uh, that that landed in Cleveland, Washington, Houston, uh, I don't like those landing spots all that much. And and it's something we haven't talked about, but I'm more of a talent over landing spot type of player, dynasty guy to begin with. But I really like him in, in Minnesota. Um, I think he, in a Norv Turner offense, is a a pure X. I mean, he is Michael Irvin. Uh, you know, uh, going to get a be a target hog, be the true number one. And, and Bridgewater is not a particularly a good deep passer, a big arm guy. They are, the, and they run the ball a lot. That's obviously a problem. But I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of targets and be the feature player of that passing game. Yeah, and let me clarify a little bit. I actually do agree with you. Treadwell is clearly my number two. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, I was talking to our buddy Scott Atkins on, on Twitter on draft night. And I I was telling him, I don't think, I can't think of a scenario that could have played out where Treadwell wouldn't be my number two. So that goes back to not valuing landing spot all that much, but, but just valuing the talent and, and uh, the, you know, the tape you've watched, the work you've you've put in and, and done on that player. So Treadwell was really, he was my my top-ranked player for so long. I, I finally gave in and, and moved Elliott up. And, uh, of course, that's that with the, how that played out, that, that worked out. But, yeah, Treadwell is, is definitely my number two. I guess I was speaking more in general. You know, I've seen in just a few rookie drafts that I've participated in, I've seen Treadwell go number two. I've seen Corey Coleman go second. Yeah. And I've seen Josh Dotson go second. So I think when you're gauging the community as a whole, there's not much difference in the value of those three receivers. But, you know, we all have our favorites. So it sounds like for both of us, that is Treadwell at two. Uh, you've got Corey Coleman, the Cleveland rookie, ranked as your uh, your 1.03 player. Uh, he was, of course, the first wide receiver off the board. There's a little bit of a surprise for that. With that, his ADP is... 39 so he's just a, a few spots about half a round behind Treadwell and his rookie ADP is actually third so he's coming off the board exactly where you have him ranked you mentioned that you don't love the fit in Cleveland uh, I think the the prevailing thought is he'll have all the targets he wants uh, he'll have a chance to be the uh, the wide receiver one there of course there's some quarterback questions there's uh, Josh Gordon questions but for right now, this looks like Corey Coleman's team. What do you think? And they drafted four receivers and the move tight end. You know, so that doesn't bode real well for Josh Gordon. Um, I don't know what to think of the landing spot. I really like the player. The more draft homework I did, the more I like Coleman. 
really grew on me in a big way. Um, there are questions about drops. There's questions about, you know, transitioning from a limited route tree at Baylor, but he's explosive. And the fits, I don't know what to make of the fit. I mean, you can make the argument of they're going to be losing all the time and he's the number one target. So they're going to throw, throw a ton to him. Or you make the argument of he's going to deal with number one corners. You know, that doesn't really bode well for early, you know, production for in someone's career. And how many touchdowns are the Browns going to score next year? I mean, I can't see him being a huge touchdown, you know, producer in the next year or two, but I just love the talent. I love the talent as well. And I do. Um, is he your third? He is my third, third okay. ranked player as well. Yeah. And I do. Um, I don't know. I guess I have, I take some encouragement from their draft. I, you know, I loved the multiple moves down, acquiring extra picks. I, I love their draft. I know they've, they've taken a little bit of heat from some of their selections and, uh, and taking so many wide receivers specifically, which I understand, but it feels like a, a new day in Cleveland. And I know, you know, that's been said so many times before, but acquiring the extra picks, uh, getting a talent like, like Coleman, it feels like maybe they are on the upswing. So that gives me a little bit of encouragement for Coleman and, and his possible production as well. Maybe not this year, but uh, at least, you know, as a dynasty play. I don't disagree with that, but they still could be zero and 16 this year. I mean, they're a really bad team. They could be zero and 16 and, and have Deshaun Watson next year though. Right. I mean, and hopefully that all works out too, but I mean, even when the season ends, they're going to have a lot of holes as a team. I mean, this is still a massive reclamation project. And I do like what this 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 uh, front office has done. But, man, it's almost like they're an expansion team. I mean, this could be a five-year project. Let's move on. You're, you're fourth-ranked guy. And, and in my opinion, in the opinion of, of many, it seems like the end of this tier, the 1.04 pick is Josh Dotson. Uh, Washington chose him in the first round. His ADP matches Corey Coleman's. It's 39 overall, so just outside that third round of dynasty startup drafts. And in DLF's uh, rookie ADP, he's actually coming off the board second, right, uh, right behind Ezekiel Elliott. The Dotson pick was an interesting one. You know, they, they've got Garcon, they've got Deshaun Jackson. Both of those guys are uh, nearing 30 years old, maybe 30 already. And they're both nearing the end of their their contracts. I think they each have one year left. There's there's even been some speculation that at least one of those guys will not be on the roster on opening day. One of those or, or on week one, one of those guys could be cut uh, prior to that. So talk about the fit of Josh Dotson in DC. Yeah, and I don't think I think there's a very good chance one of those two or both won't be back next year. Um, they just gave Reed big money at tight end. That happened today. They like Crowder a lot. But I think you got to think about Gruden with the Bengals. I mean, that's how this team is building is we have Kirk Cousins slash Andy Dalton. So in order to have a successful offense, we better continue to put first and second round picks around these guys because they're not going to be able to do it on their own. You know, I mean, the Bengals, you know, used early picks on – Hill and Bernard and Eifert and A.J. Green and, you know, just now Tyler Boyd. Well, there's a reason for that because their quarterback needs all the help he can get. And so I don't love the landing spot by any stretch of the imagination because I still don't trust Cousins. He's also only on a one-year deal. Um, but it, it shocked me. I, I do think they're going to continue to 
they're going to use him. I mean, I don't think he's going to redshirt this year. I mean, he's going to see the field plenty and maybe an awful lot in 2017. Yeah, I agree. And when it, when it comes to his dynasty value, I think pre-draft Dotson was trending up, you know, he was closing that gap uh, between himself and, and Treadwell for the second spot. Good combine and all those things. Right. And now I think it's come back down a little where Coleman has now uh, closed in on Dotson so I think if you're just talking how their value has been affected by the NFL draft and, and by their uh, new teams, I think Dotson probably took the biggest hit of those three receivers. I could buy that. Makes some sense. So the next tier of players starts with Sterling Shepard for you. You've got him as your 1.05. Uh, he's also the fifth rookie off the board in DLF's rookie ADP, and he's the next rookie off the board in – our startup dynasty ADP as well, 52. So about a round gap between Coleman, Dotson, and then down to Shepard. Uh, the Giants had to do something at wide receiver. They had Odell and, and nothing else. They added, um, they added Shepard, of course, and I think they took a, another, another guy late as well. Do you see him just, just manning that slot and, and dominating the, the short and intermediate stuff? Well, Victor Cruz is still on the roster, and I don't know that Cruz will ever be the same. And if he is or if he's on the field, I think he's more the slot guy. But I I, I think, you know, Ben McAdoo called him a Randall – that they're going to use him like Randall Cobb. And Ben comes over from Green Bay. No team in the league played more three-receiver sets than the Giants last year. I just love this player, too. I mean, in the write-up, I said something along the lines of, I like this pick more for the Giants than I do for Dynasty because I don't know how many touchdowns he'll score. You know, I I think he'll be productive, but I think he'll be really useful to the Giants. And, you know, the the Giants fans are going to love him. I really like the player. Immediate help. So I think he's a pretty safe option in the Dynasty world. I think safe is a great word for this pick. You know, at 1.05 – and this this is exactly what we were talking about earlier. A guy like Shepard feels more like a late first rounder. You feel yeah, right. You feel good if you get a guy like that in the late first round, but that's just not the way it's working out this year. So when it comes to Shepard and comparing some of the guys below him that we'll talk about soon, is that a pretty big gap for you? Is he easily your fifth guy or yes? Um, okay, I, I've seen him. You know, I've seen him go five. I've seen him go as low as seven or eight. I think. Uh, with some of these other names jumping ahead of him. So I just wondered about that that gap between him and uh, the next guy we'll talk about, the 1.06 pick. Real quick, you know, Shepard's clearly my fifth. And if I owned him right this second and someone said, here's a random 2017 first, I might still do it. I might still trade him. Yeah, I think that is probably is the crazy. Cut- yeah, I think that is. Right. I think that is the cutoff of uh, where you trade that current pick for for a random future first and we we've talked quite a bit we'll talk more about this 2017 class how much we love it and how how much talent there is there but yeah I don't I mean I don't think Shepard is worth two first rounders uh if somebody offered me you know that the nine and ten for the five I'd probably do that and if somebody offered me any future first rounder for it uh, I would I would certainly do that as well so your 1.06 pick is uh, one I'm, I'm really interested to hear from you on because I think this is higher than most people would have him. You've got Kenneth Dixon, the 
new running back for the Ravens. Mentioned him earlier. He joins uh, Justin Forsett. He joins Javorius Allen. Uh, you know, in my opinion, that's there's not a lot of talent. I think Dixon's probably already the most talented running back on that roster. We'll see, you know, if he can make the adjustment to the NFL and and the speed and the playbook and all of those things that are at such a higher degree than than any of these guys have seen in college. Dixon's going way down at the 81, 81st overall pick in our ADP, and he's the seventh rookie off the board in our rookie ADP. You have him ranked six. So what do you like about Dixon? I've never been a Javoris Allen fan. I own him zero places. Um, I don't think Forsett's long for this world, and I think Forsett can be a great mentor role model until Dixon is ready. You know, a good person in that room. Uh, I really like the Baltimore offense all of a sudden. They have a lot of weapons now. I'm a Flacco believer. I'm a Tressman believer in, in terms of a coordinator. And I think Dixon's going to be his forte. You know, they throw to the Tressman offense. The, the running backs catch the ball an awful lot, and he's very good in that capacity. He's good in protection. Uh, I think he's going to be the starter by the, you know, second, I, I mean, by November. Yeah, so for me, Dixon is one of those guys, like we talked about earlier, the the running backs I try to target in the second round that, yeah, they might not be the starter yet. They're not walking into a starting job like Elliott is, but they have a chance to be a starter. So those are the guys t- in a typical year I would target in the early or mid-second round. And again, the difference this year is he's going to be the sixth or seventh or eighth guy off the board because yeah. of because of this rookie class. And along those lines, in the NFL draft, there was a, a couple fourth, fifth round running backs where I really like their situation and I like their play. You know, the player a fair amount. Dixon's the cream of the crop in that in that group for me. Um, we'll, we'll probably get into that more in future episodes. You know, I don't know how how deep on my list we're going to go. I actually have my family rolling their eyes at me right now, trying to get ready to go on family vacation for the weekend, and I'm holding them up. But, you know, I really like Dixon's landing spot, and I like the player. So your next guy that you have at 1.07, and we're, we'll breathe, breeze through these so you don't uh, don't get in trouble with the family. <laughs> uh, too late. <laughs> so you've got Michael Thomas, the former Ohio State receiver, now New Orleans Saints receiver, landed in an ideal spot. Yeah, And absolutely. I think he moved, for many people, from probably a late first-rounder to – uh, to that five, six, seven range. I've seen him as high as as high as five. I think seven or eight is probably his his floor for most people as far as where he could fall. His current ADP is sixty three, so he's he's the next guy off the board after Shepard in our startup ADP. He's the sixth rookie uh, in our rookie ADP. So uh, most people do have him ahead of Dixon. You have those two guys flip flopped. Uh, what do you think about Thomas in New Orleans? Love the fit. Um, pre-draft, I didn't love the player. I mean, I, I see talent there. I see upside there. But I don't see anything extreme about him that really psychs me up for him as a player. <clears throat> but I love the fit. I love the offense he's going to. I love the quarterback. I love the, the head coach. I think he'll immediately be the Colston in, in that offense, you know, the big slot guy that they use so well. But I could also see him meeting into Willie Sneed a little bit too. Yeah, I think Sneed is a guy who didn't have a ton of value. You know, he has he has a one or two guys in every league who seem to really 
really believe in him. They probably already have him on their roster. But he he was one of those under-the-radar players who might have had his value hurt by by the NFL draft. So the last guy I want to talk about today, and then we're going to let you get out of – get on the road and get out of town. <laughs> and it's one of the picks that really turned heads, both in NFL circles and, and in the dynasty community. The Tennessee Titans take Derrick Henry, Heisman winner. He is currently going 64th in our ADP, so he's right behind Michael Thomas. He's the eighth rookie off the board in our rookie ADP, and that's where you have him ranked as well. And, of course, this, is, this pick is a big deal because they've already traded – the Titans have already traded – for DeMarco Murray, they gave him, uh, they gave up, uh, didn't give up much to get him, but they did give him some big money. And everyone, myself included, just assumed that was going to be his job. He'd get 250 carries. They would just run him into the ground. And then next year in that stacked class, they would find their new starter. We, I think we had even mentioned something like that on a previous one of our episodes. But they shake things up. They use um, an, an early day two pick to grab Henry. How do you see this playing out? I know you're not a Murray fan, so you probably are are just sitting back and laughing at at this. Yeah, there's a lot to take away from this. You know, in, you know, I wrote an article, I I wrote a a draft blueprint of what I would do if I were the Titans was I would make sure I got my tackle and they did that. And then I would use the rest of the draft on defense. And then next year with all those picks, I'd go get Fournette or, you know, some stud running back and complete the puzzle that way. But it's pretty clear what they want to do. I mean, this is, you know, Malarkey had Bettis. He had Michael Turner. I mean, he wants a downhill pounding runner, even Conklin, who he took. I mean, there's no finesse in this offense. I mean, they are going to pound you into the ground. And so I get the allure. I mean, Henry Fitz. Um, I am not a Murray fan, but I thought that they would use a fifth-round pick to get Murray grind him into the ground, although I'm worried he already has been ground into the ground, That and then get your guy next year. So it wouldn't shock me if Henry beats Murray out before long. If Murray's the guy we saw in Philadelphia last year, he doesn't belong on the field. You know, I mean, he, he's not going to be able to get that done. I don't think Cobb is much of a factor anymore, although I do think McCluster is going to be on the field a lot for this team. And do I love McCluster? No. But I think they'll be losing still plenty, and I think he's still going to be the passing down guy. Murray's a pretty good receiver. Henry is not. I mean, Henry is not going to catch many passes in this league. Uh, so that hurts him. But he is going to score a lot of touchdowns. You know, I mean, even from day one, if it's first and goal from the two, I think you bring Henry in over Murray. So uh, this is a, a, one of those things where I like him more for fantasy than I do real life just because I think he'll score a lot of touchdowns in his career. And maybe some long ones, too. I mean, for a big guy, if he gets to the open field, he can run away from people. But I don't like the player very much. And I know people are going to say, this is the next Eddie George. No, he's not. I mean, I don't think this guy's going to have a great career. But as a fantasy asset, you know, I like him a fair amount just because of touchdowns. So when this pick was announced, I guess my first thought was, you know, wow, that really hurts Henry's value. That pushes him to the late first round of rookie drafts. And I was really surprised to see how many people, including some people I know have been DeMarco Murray supporters, uh, just writing his obituary. And again, I know you are, you're not one of those supporters, but I don't think, I don't see Murray just going away. I'm, I'm not sure 
you know, I'm not sure Henry can go in and, and take this job from him. Not in 2016, at least. I think we need to see what Murray looks like in the preseason. Yeah, because if he looks anything like the 2014 version, then Henry's going to sit on the bench a lot and maybe steal goal line touches. But if Murray looks like the guy without a burst that looked like he just took too much of a beating in 2014, then Henry might get a shot. So I'm curious to see Murray in a Titans uniform more than I'm curious to see what Henry looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So we're going to wrap it up today. We're going to uh, try to get Matt out of the doghouse with, with his family. Um, you can check out Matt's full top 20 rookie rankings over at the score. Is that the score.com Matt? Yeah. I mean, the app is really great too. The score app and, and you can check out my Twitter feed too. I mean, I pump it up a fair amount and it's getting a lot of play obviously. All right. His, his top 20 rookie rankings are there with some commentary on all of those players. You can check out my, rookie rankings as well over at DLF and we'll have plenty more rookie talk to come. I know uh, Matt, we both have rookie drafts coming up. So we'll be sharing some of our own picks that we've made and, and uh, some trades that we've made. I, I traded a late first round rookie pick for the three Kansas city chiefs running backs. I got Charles huh. Ware and West uh, in a, in a team on a team where I needed some running backs. So it was pretty yeah, I like it if you had the roster space. My immediate thought was, boy, you used up three spots there for that. Right. That I, w- I was a little hesitant because of that as well. Um, I, I do like – I like West and Ware. I think they have some standalone value. Uh, they oh, both, signed, both signed new deals this uh, offseason already to stay in Kansas City. So, you know, I think there's even a chance a year from, go- a year from now Charles is somewhere else and maybe I have two starting running backs out of that deal. That's exactly what I was going to say. And Chiefs fans will hate hearing this, but I bet it even crossed the Chiefs' mind this offseason that maybe it cut ties with Charles coming off injury. They were a little cash-strapped. They made it work. But this could be his last year as a Chief. And then if he becomes a free agent, that might be the time to trade him for a 17-second or something along those lines too. Get your money back for what you paid for all three. And, you know, then, then you, or you would take a starter in two spots possibly. All right, Matt, we're going to let you get on the road, and uh, we'll be back next week with more Rookie Talk.